You're listening to Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun. Hello, and welcome to the Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun podcast. This is episode number one, and I am Sam Brager, the outreach coordinator for the Utah Lake Commission. And I have here with me today Eric Ellis, the executive director of the Utah Lake Commission. Um, So we're excited to get this podcast started. Um, Like I said, this is our first episode. We're going to start off by telling uh, you a little bit about ourselves so you know uh, who we are and what our roles are at Utah Lake. Um, And then after we've done those introductions, we're going to kind of give you a quick summary on what we're covering and we'll get right into it. So as the outreach coordinator for the Utah Lake Commission, um, uh, my role is to focus on communications for the agency. So social media, online communication, educational events. Um, We also do several events ourselves. We do field trips for fourth graders twice a year. We have a Utah Lake Festival in the summer that highlights the endangered June sucker, um, as well as other uh, amenities and features of the lake. Um, And we work to try and promote uh, recreation at the lake. So um, in my role as the outreach coordinator, um, that is kind of what I work towards uh, to help Utah Lake be a thriving public resource. Um, So Eric, thanks for coming on the podcast with me today. Um, Why don't you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about uh, what you do as the executive director of the commission. For sure, Sam. Thanks for having me on. This is exciting to have a podcast. My job is is really uh, pulling together uh, the elected officials and uh, agency uh, management uh, from our members uh, to uh, complete activities or complete projects on the lake uh, that that make it a better place for people to visit. Uh, we have 16 cities, four state agencies, uh, Utah County, and Central Utah Water as members, and they individually and, and combined have uh, a united goal of making Utah Lake a destination natural resource and improving it so that uh, it can be something that all can enjoy. That's what we work on. Awesome. So today what we wanted to discuss with you is kind of the, the future of Utah Lake. That's what the name of this episode is. And so uh, we broke that down into four categories. Um, the future of water quality, habitat and wildlife, recreational access and amenities, and transportation. So kind of as we go through the episode today, um, the projects that I was going to ask you about that we'll be discussing uh, really are kind of in those four categories, if you will. Great. Um, so a lot of people in Utah County and outside the county are worried about water quality Utah Lake, and there seems to be a lot of uh, confusion about Utah Lake, whether or not it's safe to swim in or et cetera. So tell me a little bit about the future of water quality at the lake. Uh, well, it's a, it's a great question. There, there is a lot of misinformation. If you have an algae bloom in a water body, for example, it does not mean that that water body is now and forever more uh, toxic. Uh, in fact, an algae bloom is by nature a very short-lived uh, phenomenon where there's enough food and that it causes a bloom of, of these organisms, be those uh, algae proper or bacteria in the case of harmful algal blooms, cyanobacteria, uh, and they bloom while there's uh, uh, excess amount of food and then they die off and go back into kind of a normal state or stasis uh, in in that water body. And so Utah Lake 
because the conditions are, are right for a bloom to occur from time to time during the summer, we, we see a fairly regular occurrence of those blooms, most of them being isolated. Uh, but those are carefully monitored and we uh, are able with uh, the County Health Department and Utah Division of Wild Water Quality, we're able to uh, disseminate the information about whether there's blooms present, where they are, and, and what precautions should be taken. Okay, and I know there is the Utah Lake Water Quality Study. A lot of people haven't heard about that. Could you sum that up in a brief statement of what that is trying to accomplish for water quality? Absolutely. So uh, a year or two ago, uh, the Utah Lake Water Quality Study was formed. Uh, it has a 16-member interest group-based uh, steering committee uh, to identify issues and concerns for the lake, and then a 10-member science panel made up of experts from around the country and also uh, experts here locally with our local universities uh, to guide the discussion on how much nutrient uh, Utah Lake can handle while protecting the uses that mean the most to us. Those being aquatic life, uh, recreational use, and then also downstream water users to protect uh, agricultural uses for that water as well. Okay, and on a related topic, a lot of people um, like to blame the wastewater treatment plants, which I think is probably a strong word for it because um, as we've learned in the, the, the commission, there's a lot of sources of those nutrients, that food that the algae feeds on. Um, however, um, if I remember correctly from this water quality study, the most likely outcome could potentially be upgrades to wastewater treatment plants, correct? Correct. So tell me a little bit about what you know, somebody might, uh, a resident in Utah County might like to know about potential upgrades at their wastewater treatment plants. For sure. So what we know is that somewhere in the ballpark of 70 to 75 percent of the nutrient loading coming into the lake, this is phosphorus and nitrogen, uh, comes from our own treated wastewater. And so besides that, we have natural sources through groundwater, we have agricultural uh, runoff, uh, fertilizers coming from agricultural use and our own yards uh, through our stormwater system. And so there's, there's lots of sources and, and there are incentive-based programs to address some of those what we call non-point sources, non-regulated sources. The only regulated source really is our uh, wastewater treatment plants. And so what we expect is in 2020, uh, there is a, a rule that all of the plants will uh, reduce their nutrient concentrations from 3 um, milligrams per liter down to 1, or approximately 3. Most of them are somewhere ranging between 3 and 4. Mm -hmm. Some of them are already down near, near 1. So uh, that would bring all of the uh, 7 wastewater treatment plants down to that 1 rule. And then as we complete this study, we will decide uh, as a group, uh, make a recommendation that gets adopted by the uh, Water Quality Board and ultimately by EPA uh, to adjust that number wherever it needs to be uh, combined with uh, these other incentive programs to maintain a level of concentration of those nutrients in the lake that is 
uh, helps us reach that goal of protecting the uses that we would like to see on a more regular basis, recreation and so forth. Awesome. Well, it's good to see that there's a lot of work being done to try and protect the future of water quality at the lake. You know, you mentioned aquatic wildlife. I know there's a variety of projects going on um, that are trying to work to either restore or improve or introduce better habitat and conditions for wildlife at the lake. Um, I guess there's three projects that, if you could briefly sum up, because I know we could talk for, for hours about these things, especially uh, Phragmites removal, but um, if you could just mention briefly the, the Provo River Delta Restoration Project. Um, there's also the Wakaraway Project. That's a new and up-and-coming one that's really exciting. Um, and then the invasive vegetation that we partner on with the county. For sure. So Provo River Delta Restoration Project, this one is a project that is being undertaken by the Utah Mitigation Commission. It is an incredibly exciting project where uh, the Provo River, which has long been channeled uh, kind of to work its way through property boundaries uh, and, I don't know, improve flood control, uh, will be redirected into the historic Skipper Bay. Uh, so previously there was a river delta, kind of the interface between the lake and the river, that's wide uh, has meandering sections, pools, uh, submerged wetland vegetation and, and upland vegetation that really acts as a, an amazing uh, waterfowl and fishery uh, protection area. And so the goal behind that is that June sucker, uh, the endangered uh, species or soon to be downlisted to threaten That's right, that species, just got announced this week that they're proposing that. Uh, will have a place to successfully spawn their uh, the young. Uh, we know that June sucker can successfully head up the river and lay eggs and spawn those eggs and the problem being that when they float down through this channelized section they get eaten up by predator fish. That's like a kill zone, right? Absolutely. And so uh, this will create an area where those young fish have a place to uh, develop and get larger and more adept to living in an open body of the lake. And and this doesn't just benefit June sucker. This benefits all the species that are spawning in this area. And so not only will it be a beautiful area to bring your family and come down and kind of take a walk through this gorgeous wetland uh, delta, but it will really make a difference for uh, the survival and and success of the fishery uh, in Utah Lake for us. Well, as well as the bird population as well, I would assume. It's creating great habitat for them too. Absolutely, and, and, and uh, uh, the project is closely monitoring the bird populations because we do have a, an airport just to the south. We're hoping that uh, the types of vegetation that are uh, developed in this area will benefit birds that aren't of great concern to the airport. So that's it's an, it's an interesting dilemma when you create something that's great and, and it can occasionally create some issues for neighboring facilities. Now that project made a really important jump recently in its timeline, right? I believe they're supposed to start construction next March, March of 2020, right? Yes, they are. And I can't remember when is it they're supposed to be their targeted completion date is? It's it's a four to five year project okay. from start to finish. So this so. is definitely in the near future a potentially, well, a potentially an obviously amazing project well designed to increase recreational access, take care of aquatic wildlife, and, and also 
Was that avian wildlife would be the right word? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And so w what it'll do is it'll, it will create a, an essentially a two-mile community pond in the existing Provo River uh, channelized section that is dammed up down, down at the lake and then at the diversion two miles up that will be a beautiful place uh, to paddleboard and, and kind of walk along the trail along the edge of that. Uh, and then you'll have your wetland, uh, the Delta Project, that will have trail on both the north and the south sides of that uh, that will allow folks to come down and, and really enjoy the a natural habitat. So we are really excited about that moving ahead and and the final acquisition of property took place just, just in recent months and so uh, the Utah Mitigation Commission is excited to get moving on that as well. Awesome. So you asked, you asked about the Wakara Way Project and, and one other as well. So Wakara Way Project w is another exciting project. This is a a thousand acre open space park so very much different than your typical soccer field style park uh, this will have wildlife wildlife habitat ponds uh, wetland areas uh, a trail if I remember and a right trail that that runs from S Vineyard City the south end of Vineyard City all the way down to Provo with a spur that leads up to the Orem City uh, Community Trail just to the west of the Orem Frontrunner Station. So from an active transportation standpoint, it is an amazing resource, or will be, uh, to be able to allow both Vineyard and Orem residents to jump out on this trail and get into some beautiful wetland habitat. And then also just for a recreational source as it opens up uh, historic beaches on the, along the lakeshore there. Uh, so, lots of details to come on the Wakara Way project. Uh, we are receiving support both locally at the county level and at the state level on this project, and and you will hear lots more about it in in the coming months. Awesome. Maybe we can even do uh, some kind of future podcast specifically on that topic. Oh, I'd love to. That would be great. Tell me more about the work the commission does with the county each year on invasive vegetation removal. Yeah. So. The Utah Lake Commission has been working on invasive removal since it began, more or less. It started out small, uh, kind of has expanded over the years, and, and most recently we've really been able to take a, a good stab at reducing the Phragmites, which is that tall reed, invasive reed that really chokes up the shoreline, uh, by tackling it two ways. One, we we do a treatment via helicopter. Uh, the last two years, it's been on 4,300 acres, so essentially from Provo Bay all the way up to the north and around and down to Saratoga Springs City Marina. Uh, the subsequent uh, treatment, that's the part that we've struggled with for years and just recently found a solution for that. Uh, last year, the commission was able to find enough partners to pool some dollars together and purchase two marsh masters with mowers on the back and those machines built down in Louisiana in the bayou are able to finally uh, tackle the this super difficult uh, environment that we find along the Utah Lake shoreline. So those machines get out there and they mow down the Phragmites and it allows for native vegetation to to come back that's just sitting there hidden in the seed bank uh, below that uh, biomass of Phragmites. And so 
We're really excited about the progress that we're seeing on native vegetation starting to come back in, in clusters along the shoreline. Uh, the other problem is that we have uh, Russian olive and tamarisk that that are also kind of a, they're an invasive, they're both invasive plants and they really come come in thick where the environment is just right for them. And, and we would prefer to have native trees in their spot and so we work on uh, eliminating those. This year we're purchasing a, it's called a forestry tool that, that can mow down those trees and then you have to treat them chemically so they don't sprout out everywhere and around. Because until now it was done by hand crews, wasn't it? Yeah. That's would, part of the challenge. We would try to get in and, and use a chainsaw crew and 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 then you have to figure out a way to get a chipper down onto the site and that can be a challenge because those chippers are so heavy that they usually end up getting stuck in the in the soft ground out there sure. by the lakeshore. So this this mower sits on a on a skid steer and it can get out, mow it down quick. You can put some chemical treatment on the on the stumps, and then uh, the goal is to have native uh, Fremont cottonwood, narrowleaf cottonwood, some of these native vegetation trees that are great shade trees uh, be planted in their stead. So this work's been going on for a while, primarily on Phragmites. This is kind of the large focus as well as these trees. As far as future goes, what are we looking at in the next couple of years, do you think? Well, this year we uh, we were given an appropriation of from our own, from our budget to uh, take a, or to hire a study of the shoreline soils so that we can really focus our restoration efforts where restoration is needed and potentially identify beach locations where they're just naturally sandy and re rehabilitate those beaches. So that that study will really kind of guide the process for us. Once we've identified the areas that are prime wetland, we can we can work on restoring the wetland and we can work on uh, planting trees where those will be most successful. Uh, and and I see this the shoreline restoration project really uh, getting progress over the next probably five years we will see a major difference by removing the kind of the bulk of the Phragmites and and restoring the native vegetation where that will be most successful and then some of these projects like the Wakara Way project uh, we will be trying out some other sustainable uses such as grazing to eliminate the Phragmites and so we'll we, those types of areas it'll it'll have more of a farmed uh, slash nat natural look where, with a lot more grasses uh, and, and shorter reeds that, that will attract birds, waterfowl to come in and, and really kind of come back to this area that has it was historically beautiful waterfowl habitat and, and really lost that, that draw when, when the Phragmites invaded. Cool. And I know you already talked about Wakara Way is going to offer trails going to have some community ponds, um, and there's going to be a lot of great amenities. I think even some bird viewing towers, eagle nests have been discussed, a lot of great ideas that are still early on, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what else could you tell us about uh, the future of recreational amenities and access at the lake? Well, we, we have, currently we have 27 public access points. So uh, this uh, Adopt-A-Shoreline project or 
program has been an amazing effort to uh, keep these access points tidy. Uh, what we'd really love to do is connect all of these access points with a Lakeshore Trail. We have segments of that complete right now, uh, quite a few miles, uh, but the complete Utah Lake Shoreline Trail is closer to 100 miles and would be just an amazing uh, resource for folks that are out uh, walking segments or biking the entire thing. We could host races on that. Uh, it, just a, a beautiful way to get away from kind of the hustle and bustle of the 500,000 plus people living right at the back door of this project, but provide a way for them to come down to the lake and uh, get out into the open and enjoy some exercise and, and some beautiful views. Are there a couple new sections coming in in the next couple of years? There are, absolutely. So there's, there, uh, there's construction underway on the vineyard side of the lake uh, for some new developments just to the north of the city. Uh, and then this Walker Way project uh, could add a few more miles to the south of Vineyard all the way down to Provo. So our, our really our first uh, priority is to complete the trail along the shoreline from Utah Lake State Park, uh, potentially as far south In as Provo. Springville, uh, because we have some trail along the west side connector. Uh, and go all the way up and tie into the Saratoga Springs uh, trail system so that we now have a connection to the Provo River Trail, the Murdoch Canal Trail, and the Jordan River Trail, uh, which would most certainly make this contiguous trail system the longest trail in the United States. Uh, it goes all the way up to Davis County, so we would be in excess of 90 plus miles uh, spanning over three, if not connecting up to a fourth county if we can tie up Provo, Can Provo Canyon to uh, Wasatch County. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, that's uh, to imagine just how much people will be able to get around. I mean, I think you even mentioned uh, with Wakar Way that the trail through there is, I think it's supposed to go right near the Front Runner Station even, isn't it? It is. Not just one Front Runner Station. The, where we tie in at the in the Wakara Way project, we would tie into the Orem Front Runner Station. And then one other really exciting new development that we've uh, just been through some planning sessions on is the Vineyard City Center. Uh, the Vineyard City Center is a master planned community uh, that has a promenade, uh, kind of a mixed green space, uh, retail, restaurant, uh, residential, uh, corridor that comes from the, the a new vineyard front runner station all the way out to Utah Lake. Wow. And just a gorgeous way for people to jump off the train at the closest point to Utah Lake and meander through, do some shopping, grab a bite to eat, and then come right out to a lakefront uh, that we hope to have uh, well developed as an access point uh, when by the time that this is being developed and it starts this winter. So that's really to be cool. Excited about yeah, yes. that's definitely near future as well. It's always exciting to hear that there's stuff that's happening now and not just further down the road. I agree. Because I feel like a lot of people I talk with think that the lake's just been forgotten or abandoned and that it's going to take forever to make change. But in all reality, there's all these different things that are happening that are making change right now. 
And I, I should mention, or I should say I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, for anybody listening that's wanting to learn more about a lot of these projects, we actually maintain a page on our website, utahlakecommission.org slash projects, that just highlights all these different things that the executive director, uh, Eric Ellis, is talking about. So whether that's the Vineyard Promenade or the Utah Lake Trail Plan, the Wakar Way Project, the Provo River Delta Project, and so many others that are going on right now. So if you want to check that out, make sure to look at utahlakecommission.org slash projects. Um, sorry, Eric didn't interrupt there, but wanted to make sure everybody knows where they can learn more about these things. Um, any other thoughts on, on what you'd like to highlight of the future of recreation at the lake? Uh, not on recreation, but I, I think we should probably talk a little bit about the future of transportation. Okay. There are some interesting plans uh, for Utah Lake when it comes to transportation. Uh, the the first being uh, bridges across the lake. We oftentimes oh, get I, questions. We about get that. questions all the time at our booth at the city festivals that we do. It is almost the number one question we get is so is there going to be a bridge? So there are really two uh, major potential bridges that I'm aware of. The first being uh, Mount Land Association of Governments has identified a, a potential bridge location kind of at a central point on the lake that would tie from uh, Saratoga Springs over towards somewhere on the border of Orem and Provo. Uh, it's on the long-term plan. We don't see it happening anytime soon. Really what needs to happen is Saratoga Springs needs to fill in enough that there is a major demand for that kind of bridge. The other is the Utah Lake Restoration Project, uh, also known as the Arches Project. And this, this is a project that uh, is uh, slowly kind of working through its permitting process. Uh, probably not something that's going to happen in the next few years, but potentially uh, in the four to five-year range, we see some, some uh, progress there if it happens. And this is uh, a project that would develop islands by dredging the lake uh, and would likely, at least according to their proposal, have a number of crossings that would tie these islands to the, uh, either to the east or to the west and would provide uh, road connections over the lake for residents both on the Saratoga Springs side and the Provo side. But uh, we will likely do a whole podcast, if not a couple on that, as we oh, see. Oh, I'm sure. There's going to be a lot of interest in learning about that, and, and it, I think it, in its nature is going to be a controversial thing, so people are going to want to hear more. So I think it would be good we cover that in a, a future uh, podcast, so definitely stay tuned for that um, to make sure that you guys can uh, hear those kinds of things. Um, other thoughts on transportation? No, really, our goal as a commission is to develop a trail system around the lake that can provide alternate transportation for folks. Um, more and more we're seeing communities uh, developing active transportation where people can walk more easily to, their, to satisfy the needs that they have, whether those be shopping or working uh, or going to school. Uh, but we really want to figure out a way to use this shoreline trail as a way to tie the communities together and and provide a way for folks to stay healthy 
uh, as that is really why most most people have have come to live in Utah. It is a beautiful place to enjoy the outdoors, and this this provides a way for them to do that. Awesome. Well, Eric, thanks for joining me today on the the Utah Lake facts, fiction, and fun podcast. Um, for those listening, for more resources or information about the topics we discussed today, make sure you check us out online at utahlakecommission.org slash podcast. Um, this was episode number one, and I am your host, Sam Brager. Listen in next time for more information on Utah Lake. You've been listening to Utah Lake facts, fiction, and fun. For more information and resources, visit utahlakecommission.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.